Hello, and uh, welcome to What Divines Us. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. And I'm not. <laughs> My name is Reverend Matthew Schultz. I feel like I've made that joke a few times. I feel like you can kind of go through the beginnings of what divines us, how often that happens. You know what I mean? Have I made that exact joke like a hundred times before? Like two or three times? That's an old throwback to Chevy Chase back in the day. Well, anyways, we apologize. We haven't been recording that much this summer. Uh, We are full-time clergy, and apparently we get quite busy. And we're also Alaskans who tend to find adventures in the summertime. Yeah, well, I I mean, one of the problems, I I got COVID this summer, Mm -hmm. which was not cool. I don't know why. Why you chose to do that? <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was some nice days too that I missed. But uh, but also like yeah, I am a faculty member of a Jewish summer camp that I go to every summer as well. That was part of. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. What do you do there? So it's, uh, it's called Camp Kelsman, and it's in uh, Washington State. It's about an hour north of Seattle. Okay. And I uh, I do rabbi things there. <laughs> I, no, they, 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 rabbi like, stuff. Yeah. You know. This camp they have like three or four Jewish professionals mm-hmm. um, who come and uh, we they we get like embedded into like various age groups and then we run like services for these kids we run pro- oh it's a it's a camp you put on for kids yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I thought yeah, it yeah. was like a professional development kind of no deal. Okay, no it's, gotcha. a, it's a real legit camp oh, with all the trappings right there's like a climbing a tower okay. there's a pool there's a lake you know there's a climbing there's a whole, there's all kinds of climbing stuff actually there very cool. upper ropes course there's a lower ropes course you know what I mean like it yeah has yeah like all- oh sure so we my family once in a while when we visit my mom in upstate New York hi mom um, <laughs> we go to a local kind of a ski resort, but in the summertime, it's just other stuff, including yes. a high ropes course oh, and cool. one of those, like, mountain roller coaster things that you go down on a oh, little fun. cart. Yeah. And we went there a couple of years ago, and by chance, the whole place was rented out, except for, like, two or three rooms that we were in, was rented out by a community of Hasidic Jews. Oh, wow. So they have oh, the, the, the the similar garb and the, the, the pearls on the side. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was... It was such a unique experience to be. We were the like the the great minority within this within yeah. this enclosed world. We stuck out like a sore thumb. It was really interesting, fascinating. So, anyway, yeah. So, but how, your yeah. camp was good though. Yeah, was I mean, Jewish, fun Jewish camping is huge. Just FYI, like there's a lot there's a lot of Jewish camps out there. Oh, okay. Um, these are sleepaway camps, right? Yeah. You know, there's uh-huh. night things, and so it's a big thing. Lots of music, lots of all, lots of fun stuff. So yeah, every every summer I spend roughly two weeks. Uh, at this at this particular camp, and do you go as one of the leaders of it, like one, like a camp counselor, so to speak? I'm not or? an organizer of it. No, the okay. whole thing is actually is, is run by a rabbi, and she's and it's her full time job to run this camp. Okay, and it's only during the summer, so she spends all of winter like working on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So and uh, and I just come and I just come and offer my time, uh-huh. and uh, and my kids get to come and as well, and they get to be in the camp, and it just uh, it's how kind of this works, right? Nice. A, a lot of ra- I mean, and like so. Uh, I this is part of like my job as a as a rabbi yeah. is that is to help staff or to help be a faculty member okay. of a Jewish camp. Nice. Yeah, many 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 rabbis do this. So cool. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Anyways, it took up some time in my summer. Another reason why we couldn't record. So sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we had great plans to record a lot this summer, and they just didn't happen. So. Right. But here we are. We're doing it finally. <laughs> okay. So, uh, anyways, but another thing to think about too is that for us Jews, high holidays are coming up. That's right. Uh, yeah. Like starting, late September. Kind yeah. Of? I think September, middle of September, September fifteenth, I believe, is okay. when it start when it kicks off. So yeah. So 
Thinking a lot about that, man. Yeah. To get more of my time. See, we don't have this. Uh, we our big time, of course, is is more uh, end of December. Oh but yeah, I know. When you when <laughs> you've heard of you've heard of our I've heard day, of right? This. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's so funny too, because like you know, whenever I'm hanging out with y'all, y'all Christian clergy in, in that time, we're all stressed out. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you so stressed? It's great. <laughs> but now I'm the one who's super stressed out, and you're all like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, our <laughs> we actually divide our calendar out into certain liturgical seasons, and uh-huh. so you know, like Christmas season. And goes several weeks, and right, there's an Easter, there's before. a Lent and Advent. Yeah, the time we're now is called ordinary time, <laughs> which I find a little insulting. It's like yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. a very special time, and we yeah. should treat it with kindness. We have, no, we have a Jewish month called the Boring Month because there's no holidays <laughs> happen on it. Yeah, Keshmon. Yeah, it's the Boring Month. It's actually called that. It, it's, it's like the nickname for That's it. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, I like yeah. it. That would be uh, August. Or, you know, actually, Mar Keshmon bitter is the bitter month sometimes because it's boring because there's nothing okay. going on. You know, uh, I know. Yeah, it's a, nice. It's a thing. It's a thing. I get it. Well, happy boring month. Everyone. Yes. Well, well, it isn't. For <laughs> oh, it's not for you. It's no. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, we're in the month of Elul right now. This is one of our. Elul. Does that mean like super happy month? <laughs> no, like the opposite. Oh no. No. Yeah, this is our most serious. One of our most serious months is the month of Elul. It's just like it's the month. It's like the month leading up to the high holidays. Okay. So like every there's it's like a month where you like you contemplate a lot. You actually are supposed to play the shofar every day. Oh, Elul. do you? No, I don't. Uh, but I have plenty of them in my office. I see. I'm looking at them up on the. Yeah, yeah. On the I, don't, shelf I don't know how to play. I don't know how to play shofar. A shelf of shofars. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my my wife's the uh, shofar player of the family. Okay. Yeah, but um, but so like, and it's a really serious thing. A lot of contemplation. And ironically, the it's designed because we know the holidays are going to be coming. But how, how they start on a different month called the month of Tishrei. Okay. So even though Elul is the serious month, the month of Tishrei, while wow, lots going on. Right. The high holidays, for example, the section I consider as serious as the month of Elul. It's weird. Us Jews weird, are complicated. Yeah. We're complicated people. Well, and it's it's sad that you put a month of serious contemplation during the sun the sunny summertime when yeah. you should be outside frolicking in sprinklers instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of <laughs> contemplating all the, sadness. All the sin that's, that's yeah. out there in the world. Right. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, we're like I said, we're just we we do the way we do. Us, us Jews. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get started. We have a, a, a series of topics here that we put together, you yes. know, well in advance, of course. <laughs> um, and some of them are pretty local. So let's start with the first one. So, Matt, you mentioned you want to talk about a little bit of this group called Revive Alaska. Yeah, and I want to make sure I say the word allegedly right at the beginning. Because oh, right. there's this is based on some things I've read in the newspaper, a little bit of personal interaction, but not much. And, it's it, you know, we do believe, not just according to the law, but just as a good principle, people are innocent until proven guilty. Sure. But Revive Alaska has made their way into the papers because they received a whole heck of a lot of I think it was COVID money funded yeah. through the assembly. Yeah. So this is so this is uh ARPA, is that what I believe it was yeah. ARPA funding. ARPA now funds. there were a lot of different uh, channels of funding coming I mean, our, in. My congregation time. received some funds right. thanks to the CARES Act. Super guys through COVID, you know, mm-hmm. th- very thankful for it. But some of those funds were designed for very specific things, like payroll forgiveness loans, for example, is one thing, and you had to meet a certain set of criteria well, for we, that. We and actually got that. Same. Yeah, because yeah, we, yes. ha- we have a preschool here, yeah. and, and our city, asked, right, the city right. asked us to keep the preschool open during COVID, and we right. were like, well, that's going to be hard to do. Um, and then we were able to get uh, that payroll uh uh, it was actually a grant. It was a loan turned into a grant. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and so I think that was that's, so helpful for us. In my opinion, that was a great thing, very, very good, and yeah. it did a lot of good in a lot of ways. And it, that's not just one that's not the only kind of thing that people did with it, right? It was all right. over the country. Lots of different things got funded for good purposes and were handled well. 
The accusation here with this group was that they were given funding to open a food bank, I believe, on the south side of town, and it required renovations to, I think, a barn, but a nice one, you know, like a structure. A previously Someone built a barn. No, 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 no. It was, it was. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so <laughs> there was some large structure uh-huh. that was already present. They were going to renovate to have it be useful as a food bank, and then that money was given. And then a year later, this organization, if I understand it correctly, came back. Uh, you know, you have to report on it, and they came back to report and also ask for more funding. And it turned out they had not used it for that purpose, but instead purchased a different building in a different part of town. Oh wow! And so there was frustration expressed by I think the assembly who who had overseen this disbursement so of funds. Just, just FYI, to say, for those of you who are not local, oh yeah, thank uh, you. assembly is our city council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And south side of town, obviously, that's on the south side, and it's not a place with a lot of food banks. It, you know, in general, it tends to be a bit more affluent than yeah, than some other parts of town. Here, yeah, but not everyone. And so, of course, to have a food bank down here could be very useful, and there was not one at that point. So that was one of the quote-unquote selling points. Let's put a food bank where there is not currently one within easy access. Sure. If someone is lower income, perhaps needs to utilize the bus service to get there, this is a, it could be a great boon. So to then discover that it was, nope, actually it's in Midtown instead where there already are options, felt and to me feels like a bait and switch kind of thing. It's yeah. disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the very base of it, it's just dishonest. Yeah. And um, my church received some funds to be part of a deal to purchase a hotel for use yeah, for homelessness house, services, right? right? Yeah. And one of our, uh, I should say, all of our volunteers were so hyper-focused on making sure that every single letter of what we agreed to was exactly what we did. Well, you know? This is fidelity, right? The grand right. fidelity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. we said every single thing we do, I mean, a lot of stuff has to happen in meetings where there's just three or four people because it goes fast and you all have yeah. to talk and make decisions. But we said, let's just imagine that every single conversation we have is it's, on camera being broadcast live <laughs> to the news, right? right? It's right out there right. on channel two and I everyone would, is watching it. And, what, <laughs> I was thinking about that with every conversation I always have, right? A Same, third, yeah. Be careful, careful <laughs> right? Yes. We gotta be careful. Absolutely. Like, we got what we say and how we act mm-hmm. and what we do. In so, the age yeah. of cell phones and and social uh, media, yes, yeah. I yeah. mean, so we are. I'm always on edge. I kind of feel like you and I are being recorded right now. Oh my, are you? Think we are. <laughs> I hope not. So that that is. And there's another example out there of some other church that I'm not familiar with any of those details, so we're going to leave that one aside. But this one in particular has been in the news for quite a while, and um, they just sent out a newsletter, this group, uh, Revive Alaska, explaining their side of things from the last year. And I haven't had a chance to read it in depth. It's some. It's more than 50 pages. A 50-page newsletter? Yeah. I got it emailed, so I don't know if they made a hard copy because it, it was colorful. It would be pricey. Um, but to me, it wasn't... Doing the trick. The bit that I read through was not convincing me of much. And so it's going to be curious to see. Why bring this up here? Because I find it hard enough to convince the world that the church is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's There are that so many terrible stories out there. And a lot of them have been true. Some of the history that we have to wrestle with in the Christian tradition is nothing less than atrocities. And, and that we don't need... Other churches out there right now. Mucking it all up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, to, the, it all started out so well with them <laughs> saying, we're going to start a food bank. Yes, that's Thank exactly that's the kind of thing we need to do. be doing, yeah. right? And then to hear this is frustrating. And so I, I raised that here knowing you'll agree with me. So it's not like we'll have a back and forth on it. But then it also dovetails against up against a different thing. 
that's quite similar, which you wrote an op, uh, a letter or an oh, op-ed yeah. about um, with a group called Alaskans for Honest Elections. Okay, we're going to do a little backstory here yeah. for, for people who are not living in our town. So essentially, Alaska now has what's called ranked choice voting. Yes. It's an interesting thing. I I, I like it. Uh, yeah. It's we, we had our well, our first big election with it, our last election. We've only, only done one election with it, right? Yes, and I don't know off the top of my head all of the elections it applies to because you can't I think do it. It's just state, you, just state elections, not right. local elections, just state elections. So it won't be at the Muni, right? No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, and uh, and the idea being that like you instead of and you are allowed to pick like one through four who your what candidates you want to yeah, win. Yeah, you rank the and choices. Then, and so yeah. if your first candidate doesn't win, then your vote still counts because it goes down to your second choice, then yeah. your third or your fourth choice. Right? I've heard it really well explained as it's just like if you go to a restaurant. And you say to the waiter, I'll have a Coke. But if you don't have Coke, I'll take a Pepsi. And if you don't have Coke or Pepsi, I'll have a Sprite. Yeah. You know, exactly, and so that's yeah. kind of how you're right, voting. Right. And right. then so if, you, if you voted for Coke and Coke's gone, then everyone that asked for a Coke then all gets shuttled over yeah. and they get counted under Pepsi. It, it, it was really great because, A, I feel like uh, sometimes when I vote, nothing that I voted for gets it. And so I feel like my vote just doesn't, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. And here at Ranked Choice Voting, your vote is guaranteed to matter, right? Your, yeah. vote, your vote will hit at one point. And it actually does help in the long run. It could help third-party candidates gain a foothold because a lot of people say, I'm not going to vote for the third-party guy because he has no chance of winning. Right. But But now you can. You can put your vote there, and when that guy obviously doesn't win, then it goes to someone else that you might think has a real chance. And it creates a really a really interesting alliances, right? So like yeah. Senator Murkowski allied mm-hmm. with uh Mary Patola and you know so Senator Murkowski is a, of course a Republican. Mm-hmm. Patola is a Democrat and they had a they had a singular ticket. They said vote for each of us. Yeah. As first and you know first choice and they both got they both won. It's something. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's but, curious. But what happened was that famously Palin decided that she wanted to to run for this for our uh, our Congress our one our one uh, congressional seat that we have, yeah. uh, and um, she didn't. She didn't win. As right? soon as you say her name, my first response is to go, Palin. I know. I know. <laughs> she came back into our into a sort of our sphere of I don't know talk yeah. sphere of knowledge, if you will, mm-hmm. when she decided to run again, and she lost. Uh, and she blames ranked choice voting right. for the why she lost. She it, said that there was no ranked choice voting. But if we're back to the normal or normal or back to the way it was before then she would have won that, that election. Right. And we should point out that ranked choice voting is not only here. It's it's in lots and lots of places. Yeah, it's yeah. not the majority of states, but it's in a lot of places. Yeah. And so jumping in on this has a lot of precedent and some groundwork behind it to show that it can be effective in a lot of good ways. Now, what you said is an important part, though. She, real quick, did a turnaround and said, it's all because of this. And another candidate, Kelly Shabaka, yeah. said a similar thing. And so the two of them and a bunch of others started that tidal wave of uh, voice and complaint. Yeah. I don't know that either of them helped form this group, but of in this sentiment, a group arose called Alaskans for Honest Elections. Now, bear in mind, they're the, one of the, the group that really pushed for ranked choice voting was called Alaskans for Better Elections. So it's confusing. Yeah. It's super confusing. So there's better or honest. So better is pro-ranked choice voting. Right. And honest is against Right, because they're trying to portray ranked choice voting as sneaky and people get multiple votes and it's uh, election fraud. They kind of use a lot of the same rhetoric as uh, election deniers from the the Trump-Biden election. Yeah, yeah. So so they come along with the name Alaskans for 
honest elections. elections. And yes. I gotta punch honest because, <laughs> of course, <laughs> now they're getting investigated for fraud because uh, because that's what America is now, right? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> no matter what's going on, you're going to find out, oh, there you go. Someone behind the scenes was being funky with the funds, and that is sad. So in this case, we don't bring it up just because it's local and interesting, but also because, once again, it's a misuse of the name church. Right. That well, they, you, know, wait, you may not understand why. In a moment, Matt will explain to you why church gets misused here. Yeah, well, fundraising is complicated, and people do have these requirements to report where funding comes from, and certain entities are not allowed to engage in certain ways. So, for instance, you and I in our congregations, we have rules on what we're allowed to do and say and fundraise for, Yeah, right? If I was a huge, huge fan of Joe Biden and I wanted him to win, I am not allowed to say from the pulpit, vote for Joe Biden, and I'm not allowed to fundraise for a candidate from the church. This is called the Johnson Amendment. And right. it's good. Yeah. yeah, and it's good. We support it. Yeah. yeah. However, it's almost never enforced, and some places just do it. They yeah. just break that law. And, and, and the way that it's enforced is that uh, you you potentially lose your 501c3 status for yeah. the IRS. And you have to pay taxes. And to, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how they – That's how, so essentially the IRS enforces the Johnson Amendment, weirdly enough. But to my knowledge, they don't enforce it. They, they, <laughs> they are pretty – I don't know if there's a single – I've never heard of someone getting uh, getting even a slap on the wrist for this. Have you? No, heard but yeah, I know this is the problem. Where like just, just because it's a rule is not necessarily enforced doesn't mean you shouldn't follow the rule. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I believe in it. Like, yeah. As we point out numerous times in this podcast, Johnson Amendment is important amendment. Yeah. yeah. Well, here in this case, um, allegedly. <laughs> right. We're back to the word term <laughs> alleged. Allegedly, the people who run Alaskans for honest elections. Wow. <laughs> Uh, apparently were dishonest in the way they did that. They created a church, and I forget the name of it now, so I'll Google that in a bit. But they created some church, I think down in Washington State, called like the Church of the Almighty Dollar or something. And <laughs> it wasn't called. That's too on the nose. <laughs> it wasn't called that. <laughs> it wasn't. No, I don't know what it was called, but it was called something that sounds bland. And so it was called the Ranked Choice Education Association, and apparently they registered that as a church. But also, apparently, it doesn't really exist in any way other than, uh, you know, like on paper. And it's all run by the same people. Art Mathias is like kind of the guy in charge of pushing it around here in the state. But he's also, I think, the chair of those things on paper in in another state. Yeah. Uh, And so what it again, allegedly, this is all from the outside looking in based on what's printed in the media. And, you know, people can vilify the media if they want. But from the information we have out there so far, what it looks like is. It's just kind of being sneaky, hiding behind a couple of fronts and shell companies kind of deal to say we're going to pull money in this way and distribute it in that way as a way to get around the systems that tell us where election funding comes from and limits how much funding goes here and there and the other thing and to get around the reporting of it um, and utilizing the name church to to be part of that effort to obscure what's actually happening. Sure, sure. So, in my opinion, these things are, A, dishonest, of course. You know, right. first that, that food bank one and also the election one. They're dishonest, absolutely. They also, in my opinion, violate one of the Ten Commandments, which is, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Now, if I stub my toe and say, Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? 
that's not taking the Lord's name in vain. When we say in vain, that could be meaning like applying it inappropriately. Now, maybe that is inappropriate, but I doubt it's inappropriate enough for God to say, this makes my top 10 list, right? Uh, if, if, if you're hurt and you shout something out as an exclamation, that's not a big deal. Yeah. What is a big deal is to say, I am going to pull some sneaky BS and I'm going to slap the name Jesus on it. And therefore, I'm not going to get in trouble. That is a misuse of God's name, well, in our tradition, you know, the son of God's name, um, or to say if this church were to be called, you know, the holy um, synagogue of the Jewish faith, if they were going to make a fundraiser that was called that, and all they were doing was just their own political stuff. Yeah. But they said, no, this is a this is a really important Jewish thing that we're doing. That would be offensive to you, I presume. Oh, so offensive. Yeah. Misusing the, your religion and culture and words and, and iconography. It's appropriating all the, it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And so that's how I feel about these things here. Like they're... Sure, the, the, there's nothing perfect about our faith, but to intentionally use it as a way to hide your crimes and dishonesty is so deeply offensive, uh, in addition to being just straight up illegal. So, uh, and I feel like there have been at least two or three other similar examples in Alaska in the last year or so, and it's well, really I, you know, driving just me back. I actually wrote an op-ed about... This uh, one, about, about the about, uh, honest election. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, Say more about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, this guy, Art Matthias, Matthias, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah, is uh, it a hard TH or a soft I'm TH? I'm not, not clear yet. Uh, but I don't think he lives in Alaska. From what I understand, oh, really? From what I understand, he is a mega church pastor. Is he, though? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't but know either. He, he sent out a press release on behalf of Alaskans for Honest Elections where he called a congregant of mine a Soros-funded lawyer. Soros-funded. Yeah, yeah. And this is a this is a a a anti-Semitic slur. So there's this whole conspiracy that George Soros, mm-hmm. who's like a, a multi-millionaire, whatever, um, is, is like is I don't know a bad guy, and mm-hmm. and funds things that no one likes. And right. so and he's well, yeah. he's also famously Jewish. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, instead of saying something hateful against Jews, people will use co- a code words that are anti-Semitic. So one of them being George Soros or Soros funded. Okay. So when Art uh, Matthias said, wrote this press release for all Alaskans to see, he essentially used an anti-Semitic slur right at the very top of his right the very first thing he said. And yeah. he also said that against one of my congregants that like. This kind of, you know, that this is against Christian values, what is happening here, you know, mm-hmm. brought in Christianity, which is weird because it's for Alaska for honest elections. Right. Not all Alaskan voters are Christian. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, so, uh-huh. like, that part is also a little strange. Um, but but this is something that, as, as like, a rabbi, I, I, ha- you have to, I mean, I, I start seeing red, right? Because, I mean, think about how powerful that is. Like, this, this person who's not an Alaskan is enabling a culture of diminishing Jews right. with this press release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote an op-ed in our paper calling them out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other, you know, and so just so you know, there's like a lot of other, I would say, anti-Semitic code words right. out there um, that, are, that are really hurtful but not, that seem, don't seem like that big of a deal. One, for example, the word globalist. Okay. And this comes to the fact that us Jews are kind of everywhere, right? When we were kicked out of Israel right. uh, by, by the Babylonians a few years ago. Uh, we ended allegedly. Up, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> we, it's called the diaspora. We, we ended up 
not we ended up traveling a lot and moving yeah, around, yeah. and then we became you know known for being in lots of places, and right. that continues today. Uh-huh. And so there's this idea, oh, when you know when globalists do this, it's a globalist doing it. With some kind of conspiracy involving globalists, it's often a code word for Jews. Yeah, right, right, and, and both globalists and globalists as a word and Soros funded as a phrase. In my experience, maybe I'm wrong here, but they they also seem to pop up as conspiracy theory type sentiments, right? There's like this shadowy Uh, network behind the scenes. Rothschild, for example, famous Jewish banker, Uh um, and um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is famous for for the Jewish space laser. Right, right. Yeah, really. So with Rothschild, like a Rothschild satellite, that's what she said. Did she really? She didn't say Jewish. She said Rothschild. Right, but everyone knew that meant Judy. That meant right. right? So there's like mm-hmm. a so that's another sort of like a code word. Right, it's often used for anti-Semitism. Um, there's this whole thing, Elders of Zion. And there's like this whole other thing. What there. is Elders of Zion? I'm uh, not familiar this, with there's that. Apparently, there's this book. I mean, and so listeners, I'm, I'm using quotation marks. You can't necessarily see that, but <laughs> we need a sound effect for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> that quotation mark yeah. sound like like yeah. if your fingers were going yeah. against a dry erase board. Squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there's this book called The Protocol. Of the Elder of Zion, which is this, I, I, which is this conspiracy that Jews run the world and that okay. they're the Elder of Zion, and and so mm-hmm. and this book never goes away. Like, it always pops like up again. How old is it? I don't really know the. There's definitely a. a, a I don't know. I don't know. Okay. The, I don't really go deep into that one. Well, regardless of how old the book is, the sentiments probably go back yeah, centuries, yeah. if not millennia. Um, there's a term, uh, blood libel. Oh yeah, I've yeah. Heard that. That's this idea that Jews use the blood of children for Passover. Good lord. Yeah, that gets picked up with QAnon, I believe, right now. With people, one of the current conspiracy theories being that that shadowy network is harvesting hormones from babies and eating the babies. Well, you and know, you that know, QAnon borrows a lot of conspiracies developed to to hate Jews. Okay. Now, interestingly enough, QAnon. At, at the moment, uh-huh. from what I understand, not terribly anti-Semitic, but oh really easily. But I guarantee you, always it always it always goes it always bends that way. Well, you know, if you, at one point or yeah, another, right. it gets anti-Semitic. And if you were to draw a Venn diagram of the people who are into QAnon and people who are anti-Semitic, I'll yeah. bet you there's like a huge overlap. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like, so QAnon, I'm I don't like. I mean, they're bar- they they're borrowing a lot of okay. a lot of sort of the conspiracy around Jews, right, um, right. and harming. Jews for their own needs, and for them, I don't know what they're doing it for. Lizard people, from what I understand, I don't get it. But uh, yeah. but they uh, but that's but that's but they their playbook yeah. comes from this historically how conspiracies happen against against the Jewish people. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So anyway, so 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 he wrote that he and that person. So I just wrote I wrote my own like uh, like op ed saying this is not okay. Like you know this is this is name calling. This is hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. we're allowed to have a conversation about whether we like ranked choice voting or not. That's I don't believe I believe that's fine. We should yeah. have this conversation, right? But we shouldn't call people out names. And while having this conversation, every student at an elementary school knows this, right? Right, As right. soon as you get to name-calling, that's when you get into trouble. And let me guess, Art Matthias uh, sent you a handwritten apology note acknowledging his wrongdoing <laughs> and vowing never to do so again, right? <laughs> yes, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously he didn't, and this kind of dovetails into something else I thought we could chat about, which is... That he used that phrase instead of a more direct slur, yeah, on purpose as a dog whistle, 
And you indicated earlier you hadn't used that phrase before. I don't know dog, dog whistle. Yeah, what's, what's dog whistle? What you described, uh, the way Soros funded is used, uh-huh. is a dog whistle. Frequently in modern U.S. conversations, it's used as racism against African Americans. Okay. And uh, a couple of years ago, I forget who it was, one of the presidential, uh, I think it was Donald Trump, one of the candidates used the word thugs. Oh, yes. And it was obvious from context he was speaking about uh, African-Americans who live in the cities. Yeah. And – but it's it's a broad enough noun that there's plausible deniability. It's a code word. That he was like, oh, I wasn't talking about just black people. I was talking about anyone who does this kind of thing regardless. And so it's a it's a code word that has enough plausible deniability that you're you're free from accountability. Yeah. So you can yeah. say your racist thing, and if someone calls you out on it and says, hey, that was racist, you can go, I had no idea it would be taken that way. Yeah. And then offer one of those non-apologies of, well, I'm sorry that you were offended, yeah. but that's <laughs> not what I'm I meant. sorry that it hurt your feelings. And yeah. so using it as, a, as dog whistle, along with lots of other things, uh, the phrase dog whistle meaning – the people who I want to hear this the way I intend it are going to hear it. Yeah. So when uh, a racist says, um, I don't want thugs in my neighborhood, his fellow racists are going to hear what he's really saying, which is, I don't want black people in my neighborhood. And that's how he means it. And the dogs hear the whistle, but the rest of us recognize it and say, stop saying that. And he can say, oh, I didn't say it. I didn't say what you thought I said. You only heard the different frequency. So it's this horrible, horrible thing, and it's all over the place. It's maddening. Well, I feel like it's it's becoming. I mean, first, I mean, first of all, dog whistle. Just, just, just do dogs. Is there a whistle for dogs? Is that where it came from? I don't yeah. know where this is. Like, like what? Yeah, really? Sorry. Oh yeah. So yeah, you can get a dog. So dogs' hearing is way better than ours, and they have they can hear much higher noises, and and I don't know about lower tones, but they definitely hear higher tones than us. And so if you see an actual dog whistle being used, the person puts it to their mouth and they uh-huh. blow on it. It's like a little thin tube, blow on it, and you and I hear nothing. The dog, hears but the it. dog hears we really high and then turns and looks and you can train them to various patterns and tones and things. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah. where it came from, huh? So these dog whistles are everywhere and recently there was a country song released called Try That in a Small Town by a guy named Jason Aldean who I had not ever heard of before. But this song came out and was getting a lot of just, uh, you know, chatter online, social media and the news and stuff about this song. Uh, not even the song so much by itself, but also the uh, video that came along with it. Now, I was kind of attuned to this because I grew up in a small town. Country uh-huh. music, listening, small town. <laughs> even though town? I didn't listen to country. You want to tell us what town? The only Stephen town on earth, my friend. Stephen town, New York. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-O-W-N. It's called Stephen town? Stephen town, but it's the only one. Who really? That's yeah, of, the rest of them are spelled with a V because they're a bunch of there's barbarians. There's one Stephen Town out there. Yeah, there's lots lots with the V, but only one with the PH. Okay, Stephen Town, New York, named after Stephen von Rensselaer, who went on to marry Peggy Schuyler of the Schuyler sisters, who are in the show Hamilton, which I'm seeing tonight, and I'm really psyched. <laughs> So in that one song, they say we're like somehow every conversation they're with the Hamilton. Is that what's going to happen for this for this? Yes, and I will never be satisfied. <laughs> so they uh, anyway in Steventown, New York, where I grew up, 
dirt roads, pickup trucks, swimming in the swimming hole. We played hide and seek in the cornfield. All these like country boy Huckleberry Finn things. I had no idea. That's how you grew up. Ah, it was great, man. It was oh. so good. Yeah, I mean, we we were bored often as teenagers. We would roll our eyes and complain about our hometown. But what teenager doesn't? And now yeah, as an adult, sure. I'm like, oh man, that was great. Anyway. Uh, so when I hear a song about a small town, I'm a little bit excited and a little bit defensive because it often gets insulted as maybe poorly educated or, sure. you know, and whatever. Stigma. All the yeah, yeah, all the redneck things yeah, before yeah. Jeff Foxworthy came along and kind of made it funnier. Um, there was a certain stigma to it, but I love it. And so this song comes along and, in my opinion, presents some of the worst aspects of a small town because this guy's song was full of racist dog whistles. Of saying, hey, you can't do what you do in a city here in my small town. Does your um, small town sound that way? All small towns are southern, even in New York. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's really Funny strange. How that works out. Yeah. Um, he is not from a small town, the guy who sings this. <laughs> He's I, from Macon, Georgia, and another you know, medium-sized city, larger than Anchorage, I think. Uh-huh. And so uh, he's presenting, he's putting out this uh, corporate-produced image that his public relations people said, here's what you do. You wear your cowboy hat and your big belt buckle and you talk about pickup trucks and you vilify the city and call things urban, but dog whistle, we know what that means. We know what urban really means. And then they say, if you try that in my small town, see how far you get. So these not so subtly veiled threats of violence against quote unquote urban people. Uh It's Right up there in the dog whistle category of telling black people, stay out of my town. There's a long history of sundown towns all across the – not just in the south, not just Uh, in the south at all. Yeah, Yeah, and so um, it's picking up on that history. In the video that got released with this song, he says that phrase, see how far you get, while he's standing in front of a courthouse that was very well-known historical site of lynchings. Uh Uh-huh. And so he's Ugh, he's marrying gross. these dog whistle phrases with these dog whistle images. And it's like, oh, it's also just a courthouse. It's still used today as yeah. part of the state government function. It's like, yeah. But, like, I could go downtown in New York City to the site of the former World Trade Center and say, it's just a building. It's just a corner. Right? No, it's not. Yeah. Something happened here yeah, of significance. Yeah. Right? And so you can't just treat it like it's any other place. And same with him going to this place where people were hung uh, as an act of hatred and violence. Um, so that was a big example of dog whistles being used. And um, as tends to happen, we talked about the QAnon overlapping with, Venn with diagram with, with conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Those Venn diagrams are so bizarre how the same people go into the different two circles on every issue, right? And And so this song came out. And you could have predicted who was going to go to which side, not just based on if they like country music or not, but also what is their stance on LGBTQ issues or uh, who did they vote for in a presidential election? What type of faith do they espouse? Uh, All these various things, it's almost as if these battle lines are pre-drawn and everyone knows get on side A or side B and you'll be on the with the same group of people every time. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane how this has happened. Well, I mean, just talking, speaking about insane how this happened. Um, I think our next topic was, uh, you know, Trump got indicted, obviously, which is all over the yeah. news and has been forever. So, mm-hmm. which, but we want to talk a little bit about how we, Trump is enabled and supported by evangelical Christians, right? Yeah, which I, I think you and I both find very problematic. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's putting it very subtly. Yeah. <laughs> the word evangelical means good news, and that's that's one of the things that makes me cry about this. Uh, it's the the ev is an eu u angelos and a n g e l in there means angel, which means messenger, yeah. and so it's good message that supposedly was coming to be good news for the poor. Yeah. Freedom for the prisoners. Anyone who's on the downside of things is going to get lifted up and cared for, which is bizarrely the opposite of what the evangelical church has come to represent and support. Yeah, and it's it's maddening to see this these same institutions and many of the same individuals who a decade or two ago would have been saying we have to hold our public officials to a higher level of moral uh, purity. Or our ethical behavior, a certain type of character. Character matters, they said during the Clinton years, right? right. That was a whole rallying crowd. For having an affair. And yeah. And whether you agree with them or not on that issue, you would think there would be some consistency, right? Yeah. Uh, but no, no, they, they turn a blind eye to not only matters in the personal life, all the rape allegations, including some things that he's been held accountable for and pay making, you know, that he has to now make payments for in civil court, um, of obvious personal life sexual crimes. Not only that, but also now all the, all the election interference and the many horrible ways he behaved when in office, um, to just turn a blind eye to that and to use, again, to, to break that, commandment of using the Lord's name in vain to say that God has chosen him to to lead this charge and to do these things is absolutely bonkers and maddening. And in my opinion, it is straight up uh, heretical and blasphemous. Yeah. Well, and then there's, I mean, seeing this on the news, maybe you can help me understand this a little bit, where uh, there has been churches that say Jesus's sayings are too liberal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't fully comprehend, but... This was written, if I remember it correctly, it's an article written by a guy whose name I don't remember right now, but I think he's the managing editor of Christianity Today, uh-huh. which is a right-leaning uh, publication. Sure. Tends to be moderately conservative, I think. And so he wrote an article recently saying the evangelical church is in crisis. Evangelical beliefs are in crisis because many people like himself, moderate Republicans, I think he's Republican, moderate conservatives from a theological standpoint, were challenged by church members frequently over the last year. He keeps hearing these reports, and he himself had experienced it, that people would come out after his sermon and say, where did you get those woke talking points? Oh, I see. And he was like, which ones? And he's like, all these things like you got to, you know, you got to give your food to the hungry and free the prisoners and stuff. And he's like, I was literally quoting Jesus. Yeah. And they said, well, that might have flown back then, but it's weak now. What? Yeah. That's weak. You can't say that now. Turn the other cheek was another one. That's weak. You can't say that. Love your enemies. No, that's weakness. And they're saying these are woke talking points and they're, they're too liberal. You can't be saying those things. And the guy who wrote this article which uh, uh, part of me wants to say, where have you been for the last ten <laughs> years? Guy, this, you this know, editor, yeah, this yeah. started in twenty, uh, 20 like twenty fourteen was when Trumpism really started to rise, right? Because he yeah. got the nomination then in twenty fifteen, uh, or whatever the numbers. It's not new, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This is not new, buddy. Where were you to stop to say this before he got elected the first time? Where were you in the run up to the twenty twenty election when things were exploding everywhere? So part of me is a little bit pissed at him for that. However, 
better late than never. Sure. Let's celebrate the steps when they come. Because he's absolutely correct. I have had this happen to me also. Not after a sermon, because the people in our church building who come and listen to the sermons tend to be pretty, you know, more or less yeah, no, similar you're, you're to what I'm saying. Church is a great reputation, you know. So like, after, although I will say, Elizabeth and I, my wife Reverend Elizabeth Schultz and I co-preached a sermon. Ooh, you co-preached. We do that quite a, you, as much you as we can. Each other sandwiches. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> well, no, because she's gluten free, so her bread oh, no. sucks. Yeah, gluten free bread's not there yet. You know, no. I, mean? I love how like, the Impossible Burger is there. I feel, like, I feel like you know, you can have like uh, meat free, yeah, meat free meat. I don't know how to say that right. Uh, I don't either. Yeah, and it tastes pretty close, but gluten free bread not quite there. This sounds like the a great topic for yet. a conspiracy theory. Is it? Really? <laughs> yeah, let's pick not Soros funded because we know that's a bad no, phrase don't to use, do that. but someone else funded this, like. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be like some some pro uh, vegetarian. It's Woody Harrelson. This is Harrelson funded. <laughs> is he is he famous for being vegetarian? Oh yeah. Oh, I had no idea. In fact, I read an interview where he said his diet is ninety percent raw vegan, so no meat and not even cooked vegetables, just raw fruit and vegetables. Wow. Which I find kind of fascinating. Like, I, it makes sense that could be healthy, but it doesn't sound enjoyable. Anyway, we're off topic, I think. What are we talking about? Uh, oh, we're talking about Christian nationalism <laughs> as a fear-driven ideology. Oh, and, and Christianity Today editors saying people come up. So I and Elizabeth co-preached a sermon in which we repeatedly said the phrase, Black Lives Matter. Right. This was during the big protests, which was also during COVID isolation. So our building was shut down. It was oh, only Elizabeth right. and I preaching to the video camera, you uh-huh. know. But most of our congregation tuned in. And we did get a note from one of our church members who tends to be much more to the conservative side of things, expressing his uh, discontent with our having used that phrase. Sure. Now, the reason I was not upset at him was because he included a lot of written material of why he thought that. Now, I didn't agree with him, but he had a lot of things he had read and why he thought it was important. And most importantly, he didn't send it in anonymously. He signed his name and said, hey, let's talk about this. Oh, great. Very respectful. Very respectful, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm real happy with that kind of thing. But yeah, I have gotten pushback like that. And if not for my own congregation, you and I both write in the newspaper quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> and whenever we do, we get that kind of chorus sung back at us in any number of ways. There used to be like comments, right? Which I, which I actually missed, but I get why yeah. ADN stopped having them. Oh, yeah. sure. Those comment yeah, section were a cesspool. <laughs> and so, but you can, you know, I like the people still find me. Usually when I have something run in there, I'll get emails and letters. Not that many anymore. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I don't know, four or five per article at the most. Yeah, that's probably, it, I guess, it's, yeah. it's not bad, yeah. you know, but often they're anonymous and they're almost always ridiculous. Oh, really? The, the negative ones. The positive yeah. ones are real friendly yeah, and yeah. usually brief. Hey, thanks for writing that. It was nice. Yeah. And that's, and that's that. And people don't mind signing those, but it, a lot of times I'll get a lot of ridiculous nonsense, but it, it's, says that kind of thing, like this is woke talking points or this is liberal leftist Marxist blah, blah, and whatever, uh, you know, adjective they feel like putting on there. But again, I want to respond to them by saying the thing that you're upset about, the particular phrase you're referring to, I was quoting Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. this, and all, often the pushback I get is from people who call themselves Christians. Yeah. And they think I'm somehow misrepresenting the faith by quoting the founder of it, <laughs> you know, it's the, the lack of any sort of internal logical process there is baffling. It is baffling, but, 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 you know, this is a big group of people though, right? I mean, this, this is like a shrinking, you know, it actually, I think it's a minority within Christianity and Christianity is, is rapidly approaching, if not already a minority within the United States. 
And so, so the thing that makes them powerful is they they uh, vote as a block. Yeah. Liberal Christians just scatter all over the place. Liberal religious people don't cohere so much. We go our own way and we'll gather once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's an old uh, chestnut of a phrase within politics that say, when in selecting a candidate, uh, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Uh, and yeah. and that's why you'll have Democrats splitting our own votes. Like, I like this guy. No, I'm going to vote Bernie, only Bernie. And no, never Bernie. And, th- and they go, and so we split our votes. Whereas on the Republican side, they're like, yes, we are all on the Trump train. Right. And right. and so they win because they, they just make this nucleus. That is still the case within evangelicalism. Now, fortunately, that nucleus is getting smaller and the rate of shrinkage is increasing. Is it, the I speed mean, of I mean, the... Like we're all, I mean, all, all clergy across the U.S. are worried about this, the shrinking of yeah, religion. Absolutely, right. absolutely. But, like, you know, do you think that maybe groups like the evangelical Christians sort of, like, they're definite, like, embracing of pol- politics, or maybe even the Catholics sort of, uh, all of their... Um, I would say sexual assault mm-hmm. allegations happening. Is that the reason? Is that the, the driver well, why religion is becoming less it's and less popular? One of them. You mentioned two different things. Two right, very right, different things. Very Embracing different things. of politics is one situation. Sexual uh, abuse scandals is a different one. Yeah. Both of those are important in different ways. And let's maybe set the sexual abuse scandals aside. Sure. Because yeah, I think yeah, it's I mean, more obvious yeah, why just, that's I a just, horrible thing. I, I was, you know, yeah. I was, yeah, being Jewish, I, I'm like, you Christians over there, you know, yeah. sorry, sorry about no, that. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not just the Catholic Church. The Southern Baptist Convention right. recently they, has they been they exposed to embrace, as doing those things too. That as well. So, so that, that's more glaring and obvious. And yes, that is one reason why a lot of people uh, leave uh, the church as an institution. Um, on the other side, embracing politics, I would say no. All churches, and I would say all houses of faith, have always embraced politics in some way, shape, or form. Sure, that makes sense, yeah. And I would even broaden that to say because to be silent on a political issue is to take a stance. You know, yeah. During slavery, if your church didn't oppose slavery, well, you are making an obvious statement Yeah. by allowing it. Silence implies consent. Oh, there's that thing where, like— um, if you're at like a rally and a Nazi flag goes up and doesn't go down instantly, then you're at a Nazi rally. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, it's not a question of did they engage in politics. It's how and it's which politics. And people are doing research on it of people who are in the camp called ex-evangelicals, people who used to be in the evangelical church and have left. Yeah. And a lot of that information coming back when asked, why did you leave? They do say it was politics as expressed by that group. I see. So their if choice, they were their choice of politics, the specifics of yeah. the politics yeah. and how that was engaged. So for example, in my church, if you disagree with me, if you send me that letter saying, I disagree that you said black lives matter, you don't get shunned. You don't get kicked out. I was just eating cookies with that guy on Tuesday night. Oh, cool. And we were there for other reasons, but there were cookies, and that's the other thing I remember. (laughs) So we we have a great conversation. We were laughing together. He and I disagree, uh, but but that's okay. Respectfully disagree. Yeah, there's a a, uh, guiding principle within the Presbyterian Church's Book of Order, our our list of of rules, called mutual forbearance, which means that women and men of good and sincere faith can disagree on important topics and still be in loving Christian fellowship with one another. Really sounds like Judaism, right? Two, yeah. There's a whole famous thing, two Jews, three opinions. You know, there you go, yes. We're great at arguing, <laughs> but we do it in a way that's respectful. Yeah. Um, and so, but we love, we love to argue. But that is not the case 
in the evangelical world. Now, according to the rule books, maybe it is, but in it being actually practiced, what you find when you survey the people who have left that uh, subculture, they say that's not the case. If you were to go into your evangelical church and say, actually, I'm pro-choice, you get a lot of pushback in angry and demeaning ways. And people say, you're not even a real Christian. If you are raised in that tradition and you come out as gay, there is a ton of bad stuff that happens to you. And so they leave. So the stances on politics, it's not just that they're saying we're engaged in politics. It's that they're engaged in politics in a way that hurts LGBTQ people. And so they leave. They're engaged in politics in a way that revokes a woman's right to choose and so that's why they leave. So it's 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 politics as expressed in harmful ways and in policies that they disagree with. I feel like so. Um, you know, a question that I ask myself, and I imagine you do too, is how can I grow? Right? You know, like how can yeah. how can my community get bigger? How, right. how can I be even you know even better? I, I guess right. Yeah, yeah. Offer more for my community, stuff like that. Uh huh. Do you like I, I? You mentioned that Christianity and religion across the board. We're losing members. Yeah. Every every decade, when there's a research Pew research out about it, it like it comes back as we've got less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, do is this? Do you think that like the evangelical platform that they're choosing, which is sounds very emotional. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. Uh, lots of yeah. Uh, do you think that's like their strategy for growth? Do you think that there's any kind of logic behind it? Like maybe they think if they if they really sort of like find like this emotional place where like we will find the thing that you hate and then we'll just push on that button. Yeah. And again, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever overtly stated like that, but I think a lot of times, well, you and I probably do this to an extent too. You just kind of intuitively recognize what's working. And so you keep doing it. Yeah. Now with you and I, it tends to be, I think we both use a sense of humor. Right, and, but, yeah, but, and, but I know, but we, we, I also stra- have strategies, right? right? Yeah. I, you know, and I, I say I believe, and uh-huh. it's like a hypothesis. I, it's like I believe if I do, for example, like I, you know, three years ago, four years ago, we were like, if we embrace more of social justice platforms in our community, uh-huh. it'll help us grow, right? So it was, it was not. I mean, it was like, yeah. We always believe in this thing, but we decide to go deeper into it. It's kind of saying, here's what we're already doing. Yeah. Let's, let's share the fact that we're doing it with right. people so and, they see. And let's find yeah. new ways to do it better. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we did that, and it worked. Like, we grew from that. Uh-huh. It was a strategy that we put together uh, on top of a book based off, or, or like I would say motivated by a value system that we had. Yeah. Right. And and we decided to embrace it more or be more intentional about it. Well, and yeah. Let's, so that was a strategy. Let's save this conversation for next time to talk Ooh, about next time about folks. congregational growth strategies yeah the goods and the bads and the ups and downs because i think we could really go on for an hour about that and it would be fun yeah in the context of the evangelical church to answer your question directly yes i do think that's a strategy and i think um they can very easily pinpoint that back in the late 80s when they really set some lines of being anti-lgbtq it wasn't even called that at the time they were just anti-gay yeah right um that was strategic in a lot of ways. It was already what they believed. And they were like, hey, the more we shout this, the more people show up. Sure. And then, lo and behold, society broke the other direction, right? Yeah, and yeah. now they're like, oh, well, you know, we already shouted this from the hilltops, and we've kind of built our identity on it. What it's do we like do now? cost fallacy. Uh, kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not saying they're being dishonest. I think they truly do believe it in, in deep within that nucleus. Um, but now they're so entrenched in it, it's hard to even reach them with common sense. So, yeah, I do think on all these hot-button issues, 
Yes, the current one being child trafficking in that movie about... Uh, oh, The Sound of Freedom. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting new expression of that same kind of thing of... So our, they need a rallying cry, they need a fight, they need a battle, and then if you say anything against it, they take this stance of, we're embattled, fall in line, and lines, they all yeah. kind of nucleus together yeah. again. They pull in and they say, we're under attack, let's let's all stick together. Weird silent, our attorney general yeah. offered any state employee a free ticket to that movie for some reason in Alaska. The question still being, who's paying for that? Was that out of his own pocket? Or was know. that state funds? If he did it out of his own pocket, all right. You know, I did that with the Mr. Rogers movie. <laughs> no, no harm, no foul. Uh, yeah. But if you, but if he's using state funds, I'd be upset because a, it misrepresents facts. It, it tells outright lies. And b, the guy who kind of is telling the story, producing, and I think one of the characters in it is deeply tied to QAnon. Yeah. And so it's a it's a poop storm of a movie, and they're putting it out there as if this is the heart of what it means to be a Christian and a patriot. Uh, yeah, it's very disturbing. <laughs> it's really, it's really popular. Yeah, and it's it's time. just based on so many falsehoods, and and one of the falsehoods being, is it really popular? Yeah, it, based on the money it's made, right? Based on <laughs> ticket sales. Yeah, are you aware of the push by evangelical churches to buy up the tickets? No, I know their congregants. What as no, as I either can't. church institutions and also calling their congregants to say, go buy up the tickets, give them away to friends. We've got to get this word out there because it's such an important thing. So buy up the tickets and you can give them to friends as gifts. So they do that and they offer to friends and friends are like, no, nah, I'm busy or I, I'd I've much rather see, times, I'm going to yeah. go see Barbie instead, you know? Yes. And so theater workers who are in there sweeping up the popcorn or intentionally making the floors stickier, they are coming in saying, you know, this show was sold out. There are no tickets available online. The show was sold out. I just went in there. There's like three people in the whole theater. What's yeah. going on? It's phantom because they're just buying the tickets, but no one's going because the appearance of popularity is so, so important amongst the evangelical movement. Their whole identity is based on what, what they saw evangelism meaning was spreading the good news, taking the word about Jesus and convincing more and more people so it was ever bigger, ever bigger, ever bigger. It's, uh, it, that was the whole centerpiece of their movement was that it was big and growing. And... Uh, famously, another person, I forget who said this, uh, growth for growth's sake is the ideology of the cancer cell. Ooh, right? that's a fun saying. Yeah. Ooh, let's go, let's, let's go to a sermon one day. Oh, I've used that's it. It's a yeah. great sermon. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> it Thank really is. Yeah. And actually, when I used it in a sermon, I changed cancer to uh, mushrooms, to fungus. Uh, is the ideology of fungus because so many people actually have cancer. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I, you know, I don't uh, need to be just... You don't need to trigger people. I don't need a cancer joke in the middle yeah, of a sermon. You know? So yeah. I, I switch it up. I didn't, no one I know of in our church is overwhelmed by mushrooms. So, <laughs> anyway, the, the whole ideology. That's going to be your autobiography right there. Yeah, there you go. Overwhelmed by mushrooms. <laughs> the whole ideology of the evangelical church was look how big we are. Mega churches sprung out of this uh, way of seeing the church that if you're not growing and telling the whole world and taking over the entire universe for Christ, then you're failing. And so, of course, if quote-unquote, their team puts out a movie and it fails, oh, then, then we failed because it's all about popularity. And so they're out there buying up these tickets. That's why, that's why this movie is succeeding so well and probably has really good Rotten Tomato scores because they're all like, you got to go on there and give it a good score, everybody. Even if you haven't seen it, just go online and give it a good ranking because the appearance of popularity is central to all of their strategies. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Well, I think we're going to end it there. We've got a, it's been a good run. I've been talking so much. My apologies, everybody. <laughs> no. I guess it's a podcast was, I'm supposed to, yeah, but you, you know. Are. Yeah, it's a very educational, too. I've learned a lot in this podcast. Uh, well, anyways, uh, thank you, everyone, if you've gone this far, for listening. Um, and thanks for James Brown for our logo and the yes. Mr. Bros for the music. And uh, anything, any uh, closing remarks, Matt? I get to go see Hamilton tonight, oh, and right. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. Well, enjoy Hamilton. I will. I'm going to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye.